The following audio is presented by Grace Church. For more about us, visit discovergrace.com, or you can download our free app by searching Grace Church Orlando on your phone or tablet. Now, we hope you enjoy the message. Hey, Grace, welcome back. Uh, we're going to be continuing in our series called Hashtag Blessed. We're going to be talking about the Beatitudes of Jesus. His one and only sermon is Sermon on the Mount. And so if you have your Bibles with you, open to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be reading the entire thing, and then we're going to jump back and start looking at verses 10, 11, and 12. But before we move on, I just want to take a moment and invite you next week to our Palm Sunday worship online experience. I want to encourage you to be here. It's going to be great. Uh, We're going to do some awesome stuff, and we want you to be encouraged in the process. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them now. We're going to be reading Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, starting in chapter 5, with verse one. So let's go ahead and do that together right now. Matthew chapter five, verse one starts like this. Now, when he saw crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, well, today we're going to zero in on verses 10, 11, and 12. So go ahead and just put your finger right there. We're continuing the series right now, and we're talking about the blessed life. What does the blessed life mean? Well, right now we're comparing and contrasting what the world thinks the blessed life is and what Jesus thinks the blessed life is. So when you hear the phrase hashtag blessed on social media, whether you're on Instagram or Facebook or what another platform, you hear people say things like this. Hashtag blessed, I got a raise. Hashtag blessed, I've got a big house. Hashtag blessed, I've got an awesome car. Hashtag blessed, I've got a hot wife, right? And so those kinds of things, they're not necessarily not blessings, but does that really encompass the totality of what the blessed life really is? And I'm gonna argue today that it does not. And so in fact, the words of Jesus give us a much fuller and more beautiful picture of the blessed life. When Jesus talks about the blessed life, see, this is his one and only sermon. And so, so when he includes this here, he chooses the subject of happiness. He could have chosen to talk on any subject in the entire world. He could have cho- he chosen to talk about ethics or morality. But no, no, no. What Jesus focuses on, in on is happiness. Why do he do that? Because happiness is one of the fundamental motivators of human behavior. It's one of the motivators of our heart. It's the motivator of how we live our lives. And so he's like, if you don't get your happiness quotient right, you're going to get everything else wrong. And so today, I, I've got to tell you, as we zero in on uh, verses 10, 11, and 12, let's read them again so we get them in our heads. Here we go. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So let's zero in on verse 10, dive down a little bit deeper on this. So let's take a look at verse 10. Here we go. Verse 10 says this, blessed or happy, remember the Greek word for this, the Greek word for this is makarios. 
And makarios means happy, but not temporary happiness, not a fleeting happiness, not happiness at an arm's length away. It means happiness that goes on forever and ever and ever. It starts now and it finds its completion when we see God, meet God, and are in fellowship with God forever. So take a look at this verse. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Can we just say this? It makes no sense that anybody could be happy while being persecuted at the same time. And yet we see these incredible moments with the Apostle Paul. There's a time in Philippi, in the city of Philippi, where he is jailed. And as he is jailed, he and a couple of other disciples are singing hymns of praise and and glorifying God. They're not filled with worry and sadness. Their circumstances did not define them in the moment. What defined them in the moment was the fact that they belonged to the Father and they knew that the Father was going to take care of them. All right? So it says this. Now, blessed are those who are persecuted. So happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, there was a big qualifier in there if you didn't didn't catch it, right? Jesus isn't saying happy are all people who are persecuted. Why? Because he's saying here that only those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Righteousness means making wise decisions. It means the good. So if we are persecuted for his namesake, for evangelism, if we are persecuted for the sake of standing up for something that we believe in, that's in the gospel, that's in the scriptures, he says, I'm going to be with you in that. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pour my life out for you. I'm going to sustain you. You're not going to be by yourself in those moments, right? Now watch this. So This is so important. But if you are persecuted because you are unrighteous, he doesn't promise happiness. So I want you to think about this for a second. Sometimes when people come to me, they'll say things like this, Pastor Mike, I don't understand why I'm suffering so much right now. And they'll lay out the entire story. By the time the story is over, I kind of understand why they're struggling. I understand why they're suffering. They're suffering because they made a series of unwise choices, choices that were not for the good. They were making a series of choices that were not good. Now listen, let me just say this, because at Grace, there are no perfect people here. So, so here, we, none of us make wise choices all the time. None of us are constantly choosing the good. But when we walk down a path that leads us to unwise choices and unwise outcomes, we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised by the fact that we're going to receive condemnation from other people. We shouldn't be surprised that there are going to be consequences for the choices and the behaviors that we make. And so Jesus is making a qualified statement here. He's saying, you're going to be happy, blessed. You're going to be makarios when you are persecuted because of righteousness, because you stand up for what is right, because you're making the wise choice, you're doing the good, right? And so he's saying, I'm going to be with you in those moments. You can expect me. You can count on me in those moments. Now, let's continue as we, as we go along. I want you to see what this looks like. Uh, the Apostle Peter describes this exactly. He, say, he shows us how this works, right? That we have to make wise decisions. We have to make wise decisions. And if we don't make those wise decisions, there'll be consequences, painful consequences, hard consequences. And you've been through some of those. Hey, guys, so have I. I've made poor decisions and unwise decisions, and I've dealt with the consequences of that. It is an increase in suffering. It is an increase in pain. What Jesus is talking about right now is the kind of hardship that comes to you, and yet you're making the wise choice. He is with you in this. So let's take a look at what this looks like. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, he describes this. He says this. He starts in verse 12 like this. He says this. Dear friends, 
Do not, not be surprised. Let's skip to the underlying parts here. Do not be surprised as though something strange were happening to you. That's a strange thing for him to say. What, is, what does Peter mean by that? He means this. There are some Christians who live their whole life believing that if I'm making wise decisions with God, if I'm doing the right thing, that that means my entire life should be easy. That being right with Jesus means I'm never called to suffer. The Bible actually teaches us something very different than that. We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. And as a result of that, we not only incur the difficulties and the bad responses and, 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 and challenges from other people, but we just live in a fallen world that doesn't cooperate with us, and therefore we're going to struggle. We're going to suffer, right? So look at what it says. Dear friends, do not be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised we go through hard things. The reality is we live in a broken world, and if you switch your mindset right now from a mindset that says, I'm always supposed to be happy, I'm always supposed to be okay, I'm never supposed to suffer, to a mindset that says, you know what? In this world, we're going to have trials and tribulations. This is what he means when he says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal. What what do those two words, fiery ordeal, combined together mean? Something very simple. The, the, the concept of the fire right there means that it's painful. It's an ordeal because you're going to have to endure it. So you and I are going to go through things that are going to be painful that we are going to have to endure for a long time, for difficult seasons. Sometimes a short season, sometimes a long season. But this shouldn't be surprising to you because all of us have gone through hard times and difficult seasons in our life. We know what that's like. You have endured some things. You've had some fire in your life. It's burned up some stuff and you've lost some things. He says here that don't be surprised by that as though something strange were happening. So I want to take this moment and realize that we're in a fiery ordeal. Now, no one's persecuting us from the outside. We're going to talk about that in a second. But right now we are in a fiery ordeal. People are sequestered all over our nation. People are afraid. They're going through hard times. They're scared. They're worried. People are freaking out about the economy. They see the stock market going down from day to day, and it goes back up and back down and back up and back down. There is a lot of insecurity in the world right now. What I think um, would be amazing, I was having a conversation with some people the other day, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I've really majorly chosen during this crisis to have an attitude that reflects faith. This is what we're saying back and forth to each other. I want to come out of this. I want grace to come out of this entire thing stronger and better than ever before. I want to be stronger and better than ever before. I want to be able to make wiser decisions. This is an opportunity for us to be tested right now, to move from fear to faithfulness, from insecurity to the one who is secure. And so I just want you to think about that right now. This is our opportunity. Here's one very clear strategy that I'm using right now and that I would encourage you to use as well. Shift your mindset from you to others. Get out of your own head right now. How can you do that? This is a great opportunity for us to realize that other people that go through hardships in life are not surprised. I want you to think about the third world. I want you to think about those who live, Christians who live under persecution in India, in Africa, and in parts of Asia. Their whole life is one of constant worry and concern. And yet they're not surprised by that from day to day. They don't believe that something strange is happening to them. They believe that this is their everyday experience. So here's how we can get out of our own heads. We can start thinking about them and praying for them. I mean, it's easy for me because God has poured out blessing on me and my family, just like he has for you. 
right? We don't have everything that we want, but God's with us. He's for us and, he, and, and we trust in him. But it's easy sometimes in moments when the stock market's going up, when the church is going up, when our businesses are going up, everything seems to be going well to forget those who've been left behind. And so we have this incredible opportunity right now to spend some time praying and asking God for help and protection for those who live as if regular suffering were a normal part of their everyday life. So I want to encourage you in that right now. Get out of your own head right now. Stop thinking about what could happen and start asking questions right now of God. God, how can I walk out of these circumstances? A better follower of you with more trust, more faith, more hope, and more love in my heart for those who are broken. I think that's a huge outcome that could actually happen for us. We make, this, we make these choices right now. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's come upon you to test you. That's what's happening right now. Not that God sent this into the world to harm people, to test us. It's just that we live in a broken world and a fallen world. And so we can take these things as tests from God as though something strange were happening to us, right? Verse 13 says this, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Okay, all right, so I get it. We can have some good. We can actually be happy, but can we actually rejoice? There's a difference between being happy and then rejoice. Rejoicing seems like happiness on steroids, right? And so Jesus says, here's what we can do. We can rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So in the first century, people were struggling and they were suffering because they were identifying with Christ and they were becoming followers of Jesus and they were leaving the Judaism of the area and the region. And this, of course, caused all kinds of consternation and challenges in people. People started um, casting families, started casting Christians out of their, out of their families. People started economically uh, um, persecuting Christians in the first century. And so this was, very, this was a very real deal. And so the early Christians were saying, look, if you're going to struggle, struggle not because you're at fault in the struggle, struggle because you're suffering just as Jesus did. You're choosing to live for his standards. You're choosing not to walk the way of the world. And he's saying, listen, I'm going to be with you in this. Let's continue to look at that real quick here. He says, rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed in his glory when he is revealed. I love that phrase, when he is revealed. Um, tell you a quick story. Uh, so I've been going to the gym and I've got a personal trainer. He's a guy in the church and I love him. He's a, he's a moose. He's a huge guy. He's really strong. He's real big. He trains me for free, which is exactly the price that I wanted to pay. And so, so here's what he does. He, he's got me on this program, right? So I was doing this, I was doing this exercise last week, right? And we were going for personal records, right? And so I had a bunch of weight and I had it up here on my shoulders. It was on my back and I was about to do a squat and I went down, right? And when I went down, this weight just crushed me right? And so like I didn't come up. It started going down and down and down. And I knew that I wasn't going to, and I go, Jason. And Jason grabs this weight and he just curls it up, man. He's just beast. He's strong, very strong. So, so here, here's the whole point of story. I walked out of that situation and I thought to myself, you know what? The worry that I had on my back when I went down and I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to come back up was really a false worry. Why? All I had to do was call Jason's name. He was there in a second. He lifted it off. I was actually never in any danger whatsoever. See, this is exactly where we are right now with the fiery ordeal that we're going through right now. We're not in danger. God is with us. He has us. And even though sometimes things seem insurmountable, we don't know what's really happening until the strong man is revealed. And I want to encourage you 
to trust in Jesus and to trust in his father because his infinite strength and his infinite hope is going to sustain us through this. We just have to get through it. It is indeed a fiery ordeal. Verse 14 says this, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So what that says is in the middle of your strugglings, in the middle of the fiery ordeal, you're not alone because the Holy Spirit of God comes and rests with you. The Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted. And so he's near us even now. Here's how it ends here, verses 15 and 16. It says, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer. So he's given the same thing we talked about. It shouldn't be as a murderer, a thief, or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. It shouldn't be as somebody who is getting drunk. It shouldn't be as somebody who's taking drugs. It shouldn't be as somebody who is walking around in abject fear. It should be as somebody who's filled with trust, verse 16. However, if you suffer as a Christian, look at what it says right here. Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. That is a powerful phrase. Let me unfold it for you. He says this, oftentimes, the implication is oftentimes when we suffer, we feel a profound sense of shame. And we've all done stuff like that before. We've done the first category that we talked about. We've done stuff where we really regretted it. We thought to ourselves, why did I do something like that? The apostle Paul said the same thing. He said, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? Sin living in me, he says. And when that happens, we're filled with shame. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, do not be ashamed. The idea behind it is there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. There is no longer a reason for you to feel shamed. Why? Because you don't bear your own name anymore. You don't bear the name of Mike the sinner. You bear the name of Jesus. And in Jesus, you have been perfectly set free. You have been given hope and you have direction. Grace, God is with us right now. I believe it with all my heart. And you can trust his word. God is with us without a shadow of a doubt. And good things are ahead for us. Amen? Amen.